Before we start the show, I want to tell you about Serve HQ. Every church leader knows that having trained and engaged volunteers is essential to successfully accomplishing your mission. But if you're like most leaders, you know how tricky it can be to onboard and equip people for your team. What if there was a resource that would make it easier? Let me recommend to you Serve HQ. Serve HQ is simple video training courses that help you equip volunteers and develop leaders. You can create your own training or use their video library. You can even automate next steps to onboard new people. Check it out at servehq.church and the link will be down in the show notes. That's servehq.church. Everyone has their own unique individual story. Might be more dramatic than mine, might be less dramatic, whatever. But you have a story and you need to be open to reflecting on it and sharing it and talking about it. Because one, you'll grow in like really strong relationships with people and, and, you know, be able to connect with people more off of knowing like, you know, more intimate details of, of your life and other people's lives and stuff through sharing the stories of your lives. But um, you're also going to be able to impact people like on the internet and stuff if you're sharing your story. So <clears throat> you can go on, you know, TikTok or Reels or whatever all day and, you know, share Bible verses and stuff like that. But um, a lot of people aren't necessarily going on social media to look for that stuff. But if you're telling a good story, it's going to gravitate people right away. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm your host, Joanna LaFleur. This is season nine, episode seven. Today on the podcast, we have Gabriel Conte. He is a YouTube social media star and he also happens to be a Christian. So I really hope you gain some insight from him about what this life has been like. And if there's someone in your life who you know is aspiring to do the same kind of stuff, you're gonna love this episode. Thank you so much to our sponsors who are making it possible. Serve HQ. You can train your ministry volunteers, leaders, and new members online fast and easy with ServeHQ. And then Compassion Canada is lifting children from poverty in Jesus' name. And then Scripture Untangled, which is a new podcast by the Canadian Bible Society. All right. I hope you're finding us on our YouTube channel. We've got the back catalog of podcasts. We've got free tutorials coming out every single week. Fresh ones coming in the month of November. You want to stay tuned for that. It's the best if you just subscribe so you don't miss them. And then also, we love to find each other on the Digital Church Facebook group. If you want to interact, you have questions, you're looking for a job, you want to post a job, you have a problem, a tech thing you want to solve, let's talk in the Digital Church Facebook group. All these links are going to be down in the show notes, but let me tell you a little bit more about Gabriel. He's got over 19 million viewers on YouTube who watched his wedding and then millions of subscribers on his YouTube channel and the channel he does with his wife. He's an entrepreneur. He's, a, as I call him, a social media darling. And now he's an author. He's a Christian who's trying to lead a life and model a life for others of what it means to actually live with meaning beyond the superficial, beyond what you see on a screen. He wants to bring good news in a world full of clickbait and negative headlines. So I hope you enjoy this conversation and the insight we get from Gabriel Conte. Well, Gabriel Conte, welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm really pumped to have you on the podcast. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Um, we are uh, having an opportunity to talk because of a new book that you've got coming out or a yes. mission for meaning and fall 2022. I want to get into the book and all that stuff. But before we go too far, can you kind of introduce yourself for those of us who do not know who you are? Certainly if they're like over the age of 40, they probably don't know who you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I am, uh, I'm a husband and a father, new father to a uh, two month old and um, she's the best. I yeah changed my life completely. But anyway, I also, why you say that people over 40 might not know who I am. I am a YouTuber slash internet person. <laughs> yeah. I don't even influ influencer, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. All the all the names that they've made up for us, I don't really like. But <laughs> um yeah, I I vlog with my wife online and just like share my life online. And that's um that's very long story short of, you know, what I do. Yeah. Basically. But yeah. Also we you know work in entertainment uh beyond just digital space as well, some music. Um, I've, I grew up acting, so that has been something I've done over the years. Um, just, you know, kind of got our hands in a few things. And yeah. now I'm an author. There it is. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you've got this, <clears throat> like, you. you're so young and have such a long resume. And that's why I'm sort of joking the over 40s, man. I don't know who you are. I think still like, you know, the older <laughs> people in the listening audience are like, can you really make a living on the internet? Like on YouTube? Like, is that a, like, they, like, it seems like a rare thing. Was this the plan? Like, was this the career direction? Cause there's a lot of young people who say like, I want to be a YouTuber, right? When they're, when they're 12 yeah. years old. Was that your plan? Uh, no, I, so I started on Vine, if you remember the Vine app, Yeah. just the short six second videos, um, for anyone who listening, who doesn't know what it was, it was an app on your phone. It had just square six second videos and you could record for six seconds within the app. And then you, you know, could upload your skit or whatever it is you wanted to say. Um, <clears throat> that I downloaded in the summer of 2013. And then that kind of, I started getting, getting a following on it. I was kind of doing it for fun, but I real I saw some, like, I was a little late to the game being a little late being six months after it came out, but there were already people with like millions of followers. So I saw what they were doing and they were doing some sponsorship stuff. And at that time that was like new, but I was like, I knew in my head that they were getting paid for it. So I was mm -hmm. like, okay, you can make some money from it. And I was leaving to uh, Florida state university to get my acting degree. I got accepted into their program and I was headed off there and I was like, you know what? So it was the next summer of 2014. I, um, I was like, I'm going to work really hard at this. I already grew a bit of a following on there. Let me just, you know, work my butt off over the summer to try and like get a bigger following so I can get some sponsorship deals. So I don't have to work when I'm at college. I can like just work on this during my free time. Yeah. That's really interesting. This was like your part, instead of like, I can work at uh Chick-fil-A or like yeah. a local campus bookstore, I'm going to like try and make like my money. I'm going to try and fund my education through Vine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that was, that was like the initial goal. And then over like that year, uh, internet people, Viners, started becoming more legitimized. A lot of them moved to Los Angeles. And so I was only in acting school for one year. I continued to grow over the course of that year. And um, then I ended up in, in LA the summer of 2015. I was only going to be there for the summer, ended up staying. There's a lot of opportunity there. I was, you know, 
starting to build the career that I was going to school for in a way. You know, it wasn't exactly I went to school yeah. for acting, but um, I was working in entertainment, which was what I wanted to be doing. So, and it was opening up opportunities for me to act. So there was like a few small gigs that I was doing at the time, just that I was able to kind of get, get my foot in the door with all the social media stuff, but I actually talk about it more in depth in the book. I recap a lot of like my yeah. stories and, and stuff about my life in there. Um, so if, if you're yeah. interested to and hear so, more. No, that's exactly it. Well, I mean, that's like, we're trying to, you know, kind of paint the picture of like, how do you know, how do we get from where we were then to like online to now the book. And that's like, you know, part of the conversation here is, too, around this idea of about finding meaning, like you're talking about in your book about how to Mm. find meaning, because it can seem like as I'm showing you my dog, it can feel like online stuff is superficial. Um, But how do you like, how do you how do you stay real? How do you be authentic when it's tempting to kind of just show the best parts and edit out the dog barking (laughs) or, you know, like the worst parts of ourselves? Yeah, 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 for sure. I, we used to, when we were, so I guess to catch up to the point of like showing my whole life on the internet, um, in, at, at the end of 2015, Jess and I met on Instagram. Yeah. This is very long story short. Beginning of 2016, she had already had a trip planned out to Los Angeles where I was at the time. So when she came out, we ended up hanging out, um, just cause we, we like talked, loosely over that like month or so, um, on, uh, over DMS on Instagram, <clears throat> she came to town. We went to church together, started hanging out. And then, you know, by the end of that year, we had started our channel together. We were engaged and married. <laughs> I mean, so, it was like a completely wild year. <laughs> it was, it was nuts. Yeah. Especially like we were filming everything that, right. you know, we were doing once we were like a few months into our relationship, we were like, all right, let's like vlog together and all that stuff. So that ended up just, I didn't know how it was like, I was a single guy on, you know, making like skits on the internet. I didn't know if, you know, people would react negatively or positively to like me showing my relationship. And, um, yeah, just like people, people really loved it. And we really, that's where like the bulk of, like I already had an audience beforehand, but the bulk of our audience now is all from, from after that, we really started to grow a lot during that period of time. Um, so fast forward, we're vlogging our life, showing everything. Um, and just over the course of time, we, it was like a privacy thing. We were trying to figure out like how much should we actually show versus what should we keep for ourselves? Like, um, I actually do talk about this in the book a little bit, but if I'm like going to get flowers and bring just flowers or give her a note or something like that, like, should I be vlogging it? Is, am I doing that because like, I love Is it her between and I just want to show her or for the world? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or am I doing it as a motivation because I know like people like it and it all, you know, get views. So that, that's something that we really talked about a lot and tried to balance. And, um, you know, we, sh- we still share things with, our audience and with the world and stuff like that. But there's definitely things that we keep private. That's for ourselves, That's for our family, for our relationship, just to make sure we're still prioritizing that because, um, we, we were just seeing so many YouTube couples just, you know, really being swept up with, you know, this new audience, fresh career, all this excitement that was happening that 
um, it really jeopardized their relationship. Yeah, it's true. Like what's the real relationship and what, what is like the show or like, what is, I'm, mm-hmm. are you getting me flowers because you love me? Or are you getting me flowers because it looks good on YouTube or it looks good on Instagram? Yeah, or exactly. Real, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So just trying to be really intentional, which was actually when approaching writing the book, that was intentionality was like one of the main words that we just kept going back to, Um, you know, and the the subtitles, the choices that lead to the life you really want. But that that's just been something that I've really prioritized in my life is like reflecting on what's happening and what has happened and making changes and adapting and, and just being really intentional with the choices that we're making, the habits that we're building and um, how that's going to kind of like shape the rest of your life. So I, I can get more into it later, but yeah, that's that, that, I, that was a moment that we really would reflect on be like, okay, how do we want to approach our relationship given that this is our career? You know, I'd love I'd love for you to talk more about that, this idea of these small intentional decisions that you made, like to make this work for you, your life and in light maybe of your Christian faith, but that you're like, we got to do this Mm -hmm. different if we're going to survive this. So can you talk more about that? What were some of these small choices that you made? Yeah, so a lot of um, uh, I, I actually. An analogy I like to use is, you know, compound interest. It's a lot like that when, you know, if you're investing for retirement, the earlier you start making, you know, smart and wise decisions with your finances, the long-term effects are going to be massive compared to if you're starting, like, say, at 18, the long-term benefits are going to be massive compared to if you start, you know, when you're 60 or something like that. So Yeah, I love that. And yeah, that's so good. Yeah, for like the choices that we make. Um, and the habits that we're building at a young age, if, if you start young and start really start with this, you know, longer term vision in mind for the life that you're wanting to lead, the choices that you make are what you can control. You know, there's stuff in life that is completely out of your control and, um, the way you respond to those are what's, what is in your control and the choices that you make based off of what's happening around you is what is in your control and all those choices and little habits that you're building can really have a big effect long-term. You know, like um, I was very, I got out of a really nasty relationship when I was in college. It just like was a mess. And from there, I like identified a lot of red flags for whatever it was for the future. But I knew I wasn't just going to be like hopping into a relationship or at least trying to anytime soon. So I, I just really made sure that I was like acting a specific way that I, I knew I should be acting, but also, um, knew that, that the future spouse that I wanted would be attracted to, you know, there was a, there was a caliber of, of, of women that I was waiting for. And I knew that if I was during like this stage of singleness that I was in, if I was going to be acting a certain way that would not attract the woman that I wanted to marry one day. So I knew that there were choices that I needed to make. I, you know, not sleeping around. I'm not just like talking to, you know, any girl just for the sake of it because I'm lonely or I just, you know, want to chit chat. I'm not going to be kissing random girls. Um, I'm going to really save myself, not just like sexually or physically or intimately, but like, but also when it comes to just like, the way you communicate with other women and not just for the sake of 
being very presentable when the time comes or when the time came for me to meet my wife, but also, um, with the habits I was building for when I did enter into that relationship and enter into a marriage relationship, I didn't have a habit of just like, you know, DMing random girls on Instagram or, you know, texting random girls all the time because I knew what I wanted. And I, I changed my decisions and what I was doing based off where I knew I wanted my life to go. I love this, how you're talking about this, like, here's the thing I want later. So what am I going to do today? Like, here's the kind of woman I want. Here's the kind of thing I want for my life. So what am I doing today? These intentional choices to get me towards that kind of life. Um, I'd love to know, because this is a bit of my own story from a different culture. Like you talk about this idea of like your sort of family of origin, like you have this um, like immigrant history in your families. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to know, like, did that play into these values that you were playing out? Like, do you have like your mom or your grandma's voice in your head? You know, like, like when you're making, cho- like making these kinds of choices, uh, how did that play out into who you are? Yeah, definitely. So my parents' story is pretty crazy. They, and I, I recap it all in the book. I actually talk about my grandparents' story and then how that led to my parents' story and then into my story which is really cool seeing this like multi-generational like story, this like lineage. And then, and then it ends, it really ends. It's cool. Cause it ends with, um, I, I, my, my daughter is, <clears throat> has been around for two months now, but, um, she, my wife was still pregnant with her when I finished the final, you know, draft of the book. So, um, it's cool that the book ends off, at the start of this like new chapter of life in this like fourth generation yeah. of this multi-generational story. But to go back to what you're saying with my parents um, and, and things that they, choices they made, they, my parents' story is like pretty crazy. My mom has HIV hmm. and um, she got that from a previous relationship of hers. And when she met my dad, she, you know, thought that she, she thought she was not going to be able to be in a relationship again or get married or whatever because of, this disease that she had, um, and still has, but yeah, that whole crazy journey and the stuff that my dad went through allowed them to like find God, even when they were still living pretty worldly. Wow. Um, and then, you know, they came together, they got pregnant with my older brother, who's only a year older than me. And that whole story is nuts because they were, um, like, uh, myself and my brother, we should have, should have been aborted. Hmm, and that wow. whole story is crazy because they didn't want to, but like they were advised to, because they didn't know at the time if like we were going to contract the virus or what that would, you know, turn out. But they, they like as very new Christians, just like figuring out what, like who God was and what he played in their story, they ended up like trusting God to, um, to have my older brother. And then, then I came along a year later and they were still figuring it out. And there's a lot more details of the whole story in the book, but, um, yeah, those, those like early, I guess like choices and things that they went through led to not just them finding their faith and finding God, but also led to the way that they like very specifically parented me and my siblings. Yeah. And you know, not everything was perfect. There's, there's stuff that we've gone through and stuff that like me and my dad have had to sort out as adults now. But, um, 
there was a lot that they did that was very I, I, I don't know, right, if that's the right word to use, yeah. but like <clears throat> very intentional. And they weren't, they didn't like hide the fact that my mom had HIV and hide the fact that um, just, just like all the things that they went through and all the facts of their story, they were open with us about it. And that just really throws things into perspective, you know, when you're a young kid realizing like, oh, my mom was in a relationship before and it wasn't good. And she got like this disease from it. Like, how does that work exactly? And then, you know, my parent, like just, she, she was supposed to be dead, you know, 10 years ago. Wow. You know, like stuff like, stuff like that. Like they, doctors gave her tw- 10 years to live when she contracted the virus. And um, yeah, now she's healthy. Living I think life. over 30 years now past. Yeah. Yeah. Now the medication is like up to date. So. Well, as we're talking to Gabriel today, I want to give a quick shout out to another podcast. More content that you can get is from the Canadian Bible Society because the Bible can feel overwhelming. It can feel confusing. It can even be really hard to believe. But Scripture Untangled is a new podcast by the Canadian Bible Society, and they're bringing you interviews with culture leaders, leaders in ministry, and Bible thinkers to help you be inspired to dive into the Bible and understand it. You can listen for free and subscribe to Scripture Untangled wherever you're listening to this podcast, Spotify, YouTube, Apple, wherever it may be, or go to scriptureuntangled.ca for more info. Yeah, of course. Like I imagine when you were born, like we just knew so much less. There were less like, like the medicines we have now for it are different than we would have had. And I I think you probably were born in Mm -hmm. the nineties kind of a thing. And so, Yeah, yeah. yeah, like it's, it's just like a totally different situation now, but I can imagine like how scary that was. And she's making this choice to like trust God with her kids, even though that's mm-hmm. like a whole, like a totally new thing for her too. Like for her and your dad to try and figure yeah. that out and how to like, how do you raise kids in like this like Christian way? I mean, I love how yeah, you, yeah. you talk about, cause like on this podcast, we are, we often say, that Jesus isn't just the good news. We say he's the best news in the world. And (laughs) and so uh, uh, like you talk about like, man, we just hear so much bad news. When I think about the digital space, when I think about like the Mm -hmm. constant messaging we're getting, it's a lot of like, even if it's not just like news about climate change and war and division in politics and all this stuff. There's also just like people complaining and can't getting canceled and all this kind of stuff. So how are you trying to share like good news? Like what, why, maybe why does it even matter to you? Why do you want to be part of that? But then also like, um, is like, is that part of, I think even like where you're coming from with your family story, like, like that good news feels really real to you. Yeah. Yeah. And we, my wife and I's approach, Jess and I's approach to a lot of the stuff we do online is, um, and I don't know if it's a, it's just something, I don't know if it's a quote, but it's something that we say to ourselves or at least say to me is, is to impact through story. Mm. And that is where we really find, cause we don't really want to be on YouTube and filming ourselves like preaching all the time per se. We'd yeah. we, we, have found, I mean, it wasn't really intentional at first, but we found it to be very effective. And that has been like our approach since then. But, um, just like living the story of our life and filming it and then sharing it has made like a really, really big impact actually. So like something beyond what we were even trying to do and people just resonated with it really well that once 
it came to the point for like writing a book, I knew that that was the approach that I wanted to take as well, which is why I talk a lot about like my own story and my family history and stuff like that. Cause I know the story of my life, like, and the things that I've learned, I'm able to share that a lot more um, effectively through story yeah. rather than just kind of like, like pulling up a Bible verse or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I do reference scripture in, in, in the, in the book, but it's, it's definitely, uh, the approach is much more story driven mm-hmm. than, um, than it is like, like self-helpy, if that makes yeah. sense. And so I know? guess what I meant too, was like, it's not like when you, like when I think about this, like your wedding video, these like, was it? I think I have the number here. Seventeen, nineteen million views of your wedding have been seen. And when I say yeah. like it's not, a, you're not throwing up a preachy Bible verse. What I mean is like your faith is woven in the video, um, but it's mm-hmm. not like yeah. preaching at people. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like it feels like you're coming alongside as you tell the story, rather than like coming from a like ahead of people, kind of like talking down to people because uh, you are so yeah. Like, that's yeah. Yeah, that's, that's our, like, I don't know. That's just the way we've chosen to do it, you know, because one thing that I, what we have seen is like to, to impact people that are also not believers or Christians, it is, it's going to be very difficult to impact those people with, with like preaching or just like, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like preaching to them. Like it's not going to resonate really where if you can share a story and share your life in a way that they gravitate towards it, gravitate towards the story, gravitate towards you as people. Um, there's going to be a lot more of an emotional pool and draw an impact for them to ask, like, why are they different? What's it, what is it about them? Like, Oh, you know, living this certain way and, and having like morals and values is, is actually beneficial to your life. It's not just, um, you know, it's not just a thing we talk about that we need to do for the sake of being good. Like right. you can actually live a flourishing life by living by the truths of the Bible, but just sharing it through stories and much, I've, I found it to be very, very effective compared to, you know, just trying to shove it down people's throats. Yeah. Well, and I love that. Cause I think like there's a lot of Christians who are trying to figure out social, whichever platform they're trying to figure out, TikTok or Instagram or um, YouTube or, or, you know, whatever the favorite one is. And, and it's like, you know, they're just like a lot of people saying like, they just can't seem to get traction or like, oh, you know, people don't want Christian content. I'm like, well, maybe it's just the way that you're presenting your content isn't what they want. (laughs) So maybe what what would be your advice when you think of other people who are, you know, Christians out there trying to figure out how to reach people online. Um, like what would you say to them? Uh, you know, as like some of the guiding kind of like guiding principles that you've been using to make it like meaningful storytelling. Yeah. Um, you, you have a story. Hmm. Everyone has a story. You know, I'm talking about my story because it's my story, Yeah. but, um, like everyone has their own unique individual story might be more dramatic than mine, might be less dramatic, whatever, but you have a story and you need to be open to reflecting on it and sharing it and talking about it. Cause one, you'll grow in like really strong relationships with people and, and 
you know, be able to connect with people more off of knowing like, you know, more intimate details of, of your life and other people's lives and stuff through sharing the stories of your lives. But, um, you're also gonna be able to impact people like on the internet and stuff if you're sharing your story. So <clears throat> you can go on, you know, TikTok or reels or whatever all day and, you know, share Bible verses and stuff like that. But, um, a lot of people aren't necessarily going on social media to look for that stuff. Yeah. But if you're telling a good story, it's going to gravitate people right away. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it doesn't mean you have to sit there and like actually tell a story. It's just showing like documenting it, showing it, just show your life or what it is that you're doing different, um, like choices that you're making. Yeah. And I just, I, I just find story to be a very like specifically effective way to impact other people's lives. Okay. You've got to tell us there's this chapter in your book called the existence of aliens. Oh yeah. Okay. Talk to us about this because, uh, I have like a bit of like, okay, talk to us about it. And then I'll maybe I'll, I'll add my own color comedy. I, I'm, I'm very interested in this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that chapter was, I met my, there's, there's a friend of mine, his name is Sebastian. And I met him in New York in 2015 at like a social media convention. You know, there's a bunch of like social media people there. Yeah. Um, and there was like a group of us that went to, I'm, I'm pretty sure we went to a McDonald's and we were just chatting. <laughs> and then he, he like found out that I was Christian or like realized I was Christian, I guess, through our conversation or something. I don't, I don't know exactly how he figured it out but then he was like okay bro i gotta ask you what do you think of aliens <laughs> which he's like do you think they're real and um he was definitely like in a place of searching for something you know he had he grew up catholic but then kind of like went crazy for a while and wasn't sure what he believed in and all that stuff and um he yeah he's just he, he's a really crazy person too he's like the funniest funnest guy in the room um so it was just like funny having that conversation with him because it sounds way more serious than it is. I guess like you're Christian, what do you think of aliens? But we were just <laughs> kind of like, you know, shooting the breeze or whatever. But he, yeah, that conversation just led to me kind of sharing, um, I guess, my perspective on God and the universe yeah. and, and all that stuff. And I mean, ultimately, I'm, I kind of like end it with like, I don't know, aliens could be real, I, you know, like... There could be aliens they out real, there. They but could like, be real. This is the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I'm like, I, from right now, what we know, I don't, you know, I haven't seen any aliens, so yeah, yeah. I don't think so. But also, like, God created the entire universe and then put us on this tiny little planet. And he loves us so much that he, and he, it shows that he's so powerful can, and can do all this, but proves that he loves us so much by sending his son to this little place that's like, a speck in the scope of the universe and um is just like using the universe as as proof of his power and proof of his existence and yeah. stuff like that but then i, I end up with like it could be real i don't know like, there could be aliens out there <laughs> well, you know what i mean one of the reasons i asked is because there's been all this stuff that's come out with uh you know, oh, like, like the UFO, the UFO and like sightings and all this stuff. And I mean, I, yeah, I don't yeah. really, I don't literally believe in aliens, but Nessa's I don't have enough evidence of that, but I just think it's so fascinating to think that like, what mm -hmm. if God and his creative genius was just bigger than we thought it was? Um, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, there's probably animals that we don't know exist in the ocean, just yeah. way down deep that we've never <laughs> seen before. Like it could be a similar case in space. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and as much as we're talking about like kind of all these like curiosity, like we're talking about curiosities, interest, story. I think some of this stuff actually for you comes out of the other side of it where you're talking about like how to grab in, pull in, entertain. There's this other side where you talk about the importance of boredom. So not how to entertain and draw someone mm. into a story, but actually the other side of it. Can you talk to us about like how, because I think the critique too of the digital world is that no one is ever bored. Because if you're standing in line now, yeah. you you can, you're never bored for two minutes because you can just pull your phone out and scroll stuff or, you know, play a game on your phone or scroll TikTok or whatever. Um, but boredom was like critical for you in your own like creative development. Can you talk to us about it? Yeah. I mean, I got to a point where I realized that, I mean, I guess everyone is, I hope everyone is like aware of this now within themselves that they could just pull out their phones. I found myself doing it so much that, you know, I would just pull out my phone and just scroll on social media if I, you know, wasn't doing anything to like curb boredom or whatever. And um, I guess two things, like it left me pretty disconnected from people who were just like around that I could have been talking to or connecting with or whatever. But also it, um, yeah, it just stifled my creativity a lot because I found that the, the busier I am and the more like information and more responsibilities and more, you know, there's like anything that's like taking up shelf space in my brain pulls me away from being able to be creative. So I, I've been on this like journey of kind of like scaling back and simplifying and trying to, I don't know, just, just, yeah, really like simplify, I guess is the right word to use a, a lot of the different you know, buckets in my life. A lot of like yeah. work projects, I, I ended up stopping and um, just to kind of create the space to breathe and live. One, because I knew we had a baby coming and I needed to have time to, to be with her and take care of her and stuff. But um, two, I just found like my creativity was not, like there was no, there was never a time where I was like dreaming again or thinking big or thinking of like a new I don't know, new story or new video idea or any of this stuff. It was kind of like just trying to get by with what I already had on my plate. And um, yeah, just realizing how distracting um, social media and my phone was for like yeah. productivity in general. But then also once I had a free moment, I would just like pull out my phone. Yeah. And um and when you talk about yeah. it too, even in the context of like boredom during homeschool and then getting bored in this real estate class and that kind of like led you to help your dad with his business, like the boredom has kind of led mm -hmm. you to like force you to like problem solve too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny. Like a lot of, I mean, a lot of my boredom when I was younger is like what most kids my age probably experienced and like bef before, like my generation and before, because then after then was cell phones became a thing and screens became a thing. So like everyone, like there's kids now that probably don't even know what it's like to be bored. But, um, I would, I would draw, I'd take my mom's camera, flip phone and try and like film and take photos. And, um, yeah, I mean, even being bored in school, I would, in, in school, homeschool, I was homeschooled. So like being bored, sitting there trying to do math or whatever it was, I'd be like, Oh, there's more. So I just start drawing in like the in the margins of the paper, I'd like draw different animals and just draw things for fun. 
And um, yeah, there was just so much that came from, as, for me creatively, there was so much that came from boredom growing up and so much I like was able to discover uh, about you know myself and what I enjoyed doing. And I just don't think we're getting that nowadays. Or at least kids these days are getting that or, you know, yeah, people, even adults really like, you know, like now it's like, Oh, what do I want to be doing with life? It's like, uh, well, have you sat down and given yourself time to think? Have you like gone for a walk without your phone and just sat there and let your mind, you know, really run on like, and really like a debate with yourself. You know what I mean? Like sit there without distraction. And, and I, it's a scary thing to do now. Like actually let your mind like run in a way that like, just allow, literally allowing it to be bored and allowing your thoughts to like talk to themselves and allowing you to debate your thoughts and, and everything that's going on in there. Um, yeah. So I just like, I'm, I encourage boredom and encourage not being addicted to social media and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, as we're having this conversation with Gabriel about how to live a life of meaning, how to bring good news when it feels like there's a lot of bad news out there in the world, I would love to talk to you about compassion and what they're doing right now to respond to a huge global crisis. I don't know if you know this, but we're in a global food crisis right now in the world. The numbers are staggering. 828 million people. That's nearly 10% of the world's population were affected by hunger last year. And that's just in context, 46 million more people than the year earlier. So this is an increasing problem, not a decreasing problem of hunger. And it can be really hard to hear bad news or bear witness to these huge needs all the time. But here is the good news. Compassion's local church partners are on the front lines and they're responding. And they're doing simple and tangible things in a way that we can respond to hunger with hope. This year's Gifts of Compassion gift guide includes gifts specifically targeted at meeting the critical needs brought on by this food crisis. These needs are critical, so you can give at compassion.ca slash shop. This gift of compassion gift guide, this Christmas season, this holiday season, this birthday season, anniversary, whatever it may be, we would love you to get involved. The link will be in the show notes, compassion.ca slash shop. Well, yeah. and it sounds like in many ways in your life, you're not bored right now. Like you've just said, like you've just had a kid. And so you're looking at all these different projects that you have been doing. There's so many things that you could be doing. Um, why, why the book now? What I mean is like of all the projects you could be doing, of all the different directions mm -hmm. you'd be going, like, um, why did you feel like now? I mean, I know the book writing process is longer. Like there's a, there's a few years yeah, of lead up yeah. to it, but, but like, why did you feel like when you were making this, uh, like signing this stuff, making this arrangement, like for putting your time towards it, like wh what was it about writing a book that felt like this is one of like the things I need to give myself to? Um, in this season of my life? Um, with my team, with my manager, I'd been talking about, it'd been a while, like he'd always push me to write a book. And I was like, I don't know if I have, you know, good stuff to say. Like, what am I going to say in a book? And a lot of letters, like a period of time where a lot of other YouTubers were writing books too. And, you know, it was just like, <laughs> you don't want to just do it because everybody's I, I, doing it. Yeah, yeah, that. And I just wasn't like seeing that much other than like, doing it for the sake of having that like check in your resume. I, I just didn't want to do, if I was going to write a book, I needed it to like have purpose, have meaning. Um, no pun intended, I mentioned for meaning, <laughs> but um, it, it came a point where I finally felt like I had 
enough to say. And when we kind of brought the conversation up again, I was like, all right, yeah, I think like now is a good time. Um, there's enough stuff that I wanted to talk about, uh, enough stuff in Jess and I's life that kind of happened that I wanted to talk about as well. Um, in, in like our marriage and stuff like that. And then, and then what's crazy is that you mentioned it's, you know, a few year process. It was over two years ago that we started the whole, uh, the whole process. But, um, within that time, it was, it was really cool seeing like the book evolve and like new drafts happen that were infused with what I was learning in real time over the right. course of the two years. Yeah. And then like, once I found out, it was about a year ago that I found out that, uh, we were, that Jess was pregnant and we were expecting that changed how I then went back and re-edited so much in the book. Oh, cool. There's so much that I was, yeah, yeah. It's like pretty what crazy. You, you, like how you, like you literally were like writing it as you were like living it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty, it's pretty nuts. And I think readers will, will really be able to like understand that when, when they uh, dig into it and, and read it a bit. But um, it's cool. Cause I, I was able to like finish with like a send off kind of for, you know, the audience, but also for myself in this next chapter hmm. of my life and kind of like talking about where we're headed now, like me and my family, where the next thing is now. And it's like, it like leads up right to Micaiah being born. Very cool. Even the dedication. Yeah. The dedication in the book is me. Like I mentioned her name, but I, I say like, you know, even though this book was written before you were born, you know, the nine months that you were in your mom's, Valley like changed so much about me as a person and everything. So it was really cool seeing the the new revisions of the book evolve as I was just learning and, and figuring things out. And th- that this was the point once I found out that um, that uh, Jess was pregnant. That was the point where I started really scaling back on things and trying to simplify and you know take things off the table, different like projects that I was working on and stuff and. I knew I needed one more time, like, like we talked about for like all the creative stuff and, and really time to just think and breathe and, and have time to kind of like process and do that, but also time to just spend with, with my family more than I was before, I guess, just having a baby's. Yeah. Well, I mean, even commitment <laughs> and even more than that, like you talk to in the book about, and you talk on like social media, you've posted about this, this idea of burnout, which is a thing that I think a lot of mm-hmm. people are resonating with. Um, and you know, as we're kind of, kind of starting to wrap the conversation, I would just love, you know, if there's any insights you have, like how, like, because as you say, like you had to kind of pull back from a bunch of stuff and the book is something that you stuck with, but there's other stuff that you've had to say, I can't do that. Like as I'm, it's like your your meaning or your focus actually got more and more clear as you realize like mm-hmm. you're human and you can't do all the things. Um, so yeah. what was burnout? What was that experience like for you? Um, like how did you learn some new things? What what's in your toolkit now? Yeah, I mean it was burnout was rough. It's um you kind of don't realize it until you're in it, and you realize the, the toughest thing was like. I've always been like a very motivated person. Just like if I had an idea for something new, I just next day I was on it, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And it was tough to realize it was, it was more of a shock to my identity, which is why a lot of my burnout led to depression and stuff because I like saw myself as the motivated guy who, you know, hustle on these 
different projects that he was doing and yeah. whatever, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be able to apply myself in that way. And over time, I just wasn't able to keep up with all these new layers I was trying to add. Um, and it just hit me. And now I guess as far as like tools in my tool belt, um, I really have learned to like focus on what the mission is. Mm. Jess and I, our family, we have a family mission statement that is like 10 different pillars. And, um, it's all that I have that in the book as well. Um, and we kind of shape a lot of the decisions and choices and things that we do day to day based off of that. And if it doesn't, if there's something opportunities or whatever that don't align with our mission as a family, then, um, it's an, it's an easy no, you know what I mean? And, applying that for my career and understanding like where is it headed and how does it also apply to my, the family's mission and how is it going to benefit the family's mission? And, um, I just having a really clear idea of where I'm headed, what the mission is, what the goals are and, um, how a lot of that really, I mean, it's a title of the book mission for meaning it like really a no understanding like what all this is, and shaping it around our own, our faith in Christ and stuff like that really gives us like a clear identity of who I am, who we are as a family and the direction that we're heading in. So, um, that's been a lot of like the discovery that I've been yeah. working on and finding out over the course of these past few years. And is part of that too, like, is there a burnout from like the opinions of other people that you've got to shift away from? Like what I mean is like, when you live a public life, you're up for like public criticism. Anyone can say anything they want, comment all this crazy stuff. And some of it's probably like a lot of it's really good, but then you get a few of these negative mm -hmm. comments or these people who just will not let up and like pull on all your insecurities or whatever. Um, like how do you, how do you handle that? Like, is that part of what you're trying to protect yourself from so you don't get burnt out? Yeah. Well, it's funny. It was tougher when I didn't have direction. Hmm. Because I know now like exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And, you know, if there's a comment online that, you know, says something negative about what I'm doing or whatever it is, it's a lot easier for me to brush off knowing that like I chose to do this specifically and like God helped shape this direction that I'm heading in and the way I live my life and whatever. Where what I was doing wasn't like for myself and mm -hmm. it wasn't to prove that I was able to do it. And it wasn't to prove that I was, you know, capable, but it was more so just to kind of fulfill the mission that God has us on. Yeah. And if I fail, you know, then I learn Yeah. rather than if I fail, I'm no longer valuable or validated. Wow. Yeah. You know? That's a huge shift. So yeah. So that has been, I've been able to kind of like compartmentalize that a lot more now with, with that new mindset and not allow the negative stuff to affect me um, as much. Obviously like having someone say something crappy about you sucks, but it's For a lot sure. easier when, when you understand like what it is that they're complaining about or giving you, you know, flack about and why you're doing it if that makes sense, you know? So, um, I'm not sure if that answered the no, whole question, totally. but yeah. Yeah. I just love this idea when you're clear on where you're going and what you're about, it doesn't mean that people aren't going to criticize it, but 
it feels like the weight of it feels different or like mm-hmm. it doesn't shape your identity. So like, I mean, maybe it's just like one of our last questions here. Like what's next? Um, you're shaping this life of meaning. You've got, mm-hmm. you know, a brand new family, uh, you know, and like where, yeah, yeah. where next? Like, what are you excited about? What, um, what, what are we going to see from you coming up? Um, yeah. So right now really focusing on the book mostly and, um, just, you know, talking about it, getting it in people's hands and stuff like that. And then, uh, just being a dad for now. Um, and then not a dad for now, for now, (laughs) that's like my focus. Yeah, Yeah. Um, and then also make, you know, our YouTube videos and stuff like that. But, um, as we kind of get more into the swing of the parenting stuff and, and getting into the flow of things, um, I definitely see myself. This is one of the, like my realizations is, uh, back when I was, I decided to like pull a lot back is, um, I just really, I went to acting school and like film and TV has always been like the big dream of what I wanted to do. And over the past five, six years now, our, you know, our business grew so much on, with all the social media stuff that over time, a lot of that, all the film and TV stuff started to take a backseat a bit. And, um, I just really have felt myself. And so as I've given myself the time, given myself the space to be bored and stuff, I've felt that draw again, like, okay, this is where, um, I see myself applying, um, like my creative passions that God has put on my heart, um, for this next season and, and long term. And I'm still like figuring out what that looks like, especially now in this digital age where, you know, everything's changing so much. So who knows, you know, what film and TV looks like. And it's all basically digital now with like Netflix and all that stuff. And it seems like YouTube and Netflix are coming, YouTube and like streaming platforms are coming closer and closer together. So what does that all actually look like? And, you know, kind of just figuring that out and where, um, I guess I play a role in, in all of it. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that. Cause I think people listening who are in this space themselves, um, if if you're saying I'm trying to figure it out, the digital world is changing all the time. Um, it's hard to predict, you know, what's going to come a couple of years from now. And I'm trying to value my family and prioritize that. Like, it just sounds like I think you're going to help encourage a lot of people because they're struggling with trying to figure out where the internet's going, how to do digital in a strategic way, how to prioritize yeah. their families, how to have a meaningful life in the midst of, you know, the very fast moving, intense world that we live in. So I love that mm-hmm. you're trying to bring good news in the midst of all of this. Um, trying, yeah. <laughs> so Gabriel, where do you want to send people today? Like um, for your book, to, like what platforms do you want want to send people to? And we're going to link everything in the show notes. Yeah. So, I mean, on social media, all my personal stuff would just be Gabriel Conti, Instagram, Twitter, and all that stuff, but also uh, YouTube. Uh, Jess and I vlog on our channel, just Jess and Gabriel. If you type that in, you'll be able to find us there. But then for uh, the book and stuff, you can find everything at missionformeaning.com. So it is the title of the book without the A in front. The website is missionformeaning.com and you can um, pre-order it you know, it has all the links and stuff there. There's the audiobook, the ebook, and you can you know pre-order the hardcover. 
Awesome. It's all there. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I think like people are going to be encouraged to like lean into this story. Obviously there's so much more in the book than we can get into in a podcast. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much just for like living your life in front of people. I know it takes a lot to do it, but to like just keep living your life and trying to do it with integrity in front of other people and figure out how to be a husband and figure out how to be a dad and figure out how to follow mm. Jesus and figure out media, you know, figure out me, you're just like doing it in front of people. And I think that's like a really vulnerable way to live, but you're doing it in a way that's so inspiring to other people and, you know, like a, a real model, especially to other guys and um, how they can live a life of meaning. So thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was, that was an awesome send off. Wow. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> Gabriel Conte, thank you so much for the conversation. It was great to get to know him. Great to hear a little bit of his story, kind of this amazing rise into fame online and how to wrestle with that. Next week, we're continuing in the YouTube thing because we're talking to Omar El Tekrori, who works with Think Media. You may know him as a guy who's training people up in gear and YouTube and how to engage on that platform. But he's also a pastor at his local church. So we're going to talk about how he does media and ministry all together and how he sees those as connected. Thanks so much to our sponsors, to Compassion Canada, who are lifting children from poverty and hunger in Jesus' name, and to the new podcast, Scripture Untangled by the Canadian Bible Society. If you're trying to wrestle with Scripture, is a great way to untangle it. And also Serve HQ. You can train your ministry volunteers, your leaders, and new members online fast and easy with Serve HQ. Hey, if you want to check out any of the things we've mentioned, they're going to be down in the show notes. They're on YouTube, on our channel there. We've got the tutorials. We've got the back catalog podcast. We'd love for you to subscribe. We'd love for you to join us on the Digital Church Facebook group. All these links are going to be down in the show notes. We don't want you to miss out on anything that piqued your interest. And we would love if you would support the people who are sponsoring these podcasts so that we can make more. Thanks so much. See you next week.